And what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Designated Players and MLS Podcast. We're here with Christopher from Shoulder to Shoulder, an LAFC podcast to talk all things LAFC 2024 season. Christopher, how are you doing? Thanks so much for being here. I'm doing great, Andrew. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk about the black and gold uh, and looking forward to uh, this upcoming season, man. Hopefully, hopefully we get a lot of uh, a lot of really good action, a lot of really good things. You know, this, the league as a whole is continuing to grow. And so we're uh, uh, just fans of seeing all of all everything that is developing year by year. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the, the steps that we continue to take going uh, in positive directions and um, you know, even even when we take steps back, sometimes it feels like the general trend is still positive, which is always nice. Um, we got lots to talk about here in, in LAFC world. Lots of lots of people out some some very interesting moves in um, a couple of predictions that we're going to need to make. But before we do any of that, we got to talk about Scarf of the Week, our favorite segment on the designated players. Uh, you've got a really awesome one you showed me before. You want to show it off to the to the people? Absolutely. Uh, so this is our. This is our podcast scarf. Uh, this is our version 2.0. Our first one that came out was just uh, gray and it just said shoulder to shoulder LFC podcast. And then there's a um, activist in the Los Angeles community called uh, uh, Sticks, And he has the phrase together, this our culture. So that was a collaboration that we did with him on the backside of the scarf. So that's, uh, you know, just uh, amongst the other ones that I have on the back wall over my shoulder. Right. We, uh, Scarfs are definitely part of the the soccer culture, so we try to find our our own little niche where we can. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love I love the stories behind them. I mean, you could tell behind me. I'm I'm a big collector as well, and for the most part, each one's got a a pretty cool story. Whether it's being somebody we've interviewed or or some personal connection, you know, in a way day or, or things like that. So, um, you know, they're my favorite parts of of the culture. You know, as you were just mentioning, because of the stories that come with it and and the meaning behind so many of them. And uh, I think that's our, you know, my co-host isn't here tonight, but our end goal one of these days is to be able to have enough of a following to get our own uh, uh, podcast scarf. One of those would be really cool one day. So here's hoping one of these days we'll get there. But um, I myself also brought out one of the LAFC scarves that I've got. So kind of the basic one, just the black and gold with the, uh, the logo on the bottom there, but uh, really nice. We got it. This one, uh, you know, again, ties into an interview we did with um, defenders of the bank. That was back in season one or two, very, very early on, which was uh, kind of cool. I think they were like our first co-podcast one. And that was kind of the, the sign for us that like, Oh, maybe this could be something we could do you know, for a long time. And we ended up doing that. So yeah, um, JR and Philly are great people, man. They're all, we, we in the LAFC community, we have a lot of contributing podcasts and uh, defenders of the bank are definitely one of the cornerstones of, uh, of the LAFC community. And so, you know, can't speak highly enough about those guys over there. Yeah, man, they were great. They were really fun. And, um, you know, we're really excited to work with with more, you know, LAFC pods as well. Because as you mentioned, there's so many of them. So we're really happy that we got you on here to talk LAFC as well with some different viewpoints um you know we're, we're heading into 2024 it's steve shirundolo's fourth season as head coach having an impressive record since joining uh third in the west last year eighth overall 52 points 14 wins 10 losses 10 draws made it all the way to mls cup for the second time in two years but unfortunately was not able to make it back to back what are the feelings like after some of the moves that were made in lafc world right now you know, and I, I think that there was some of the players that had been put out on loan. I think that uh, there was there was some people that were definitely a little 
happy to see that the club was beginning the process of moving away. Uh, you know, Mario Gonzalez went out on loan now to Sporting Day Gijon um, and Stipe Buke, who was a, a, a potentially very promising young under 22 initiative player. Um, and, you know, they've just they have put them out on loan, which makes space for us to bring in new players. I think that some people overall were disappointed with um, Stipe Buke and, and Mario uh, with their overall performances from last year. They just didn't get exactly what we had anticipated out of them. Um, you know, and, and going back to the MLS Cup two years in a row is, is a high achievement. But I think that a lot of people in the LAFC community look at last year as um, a very disappointing season. We were in, we had seven opportunities to walk away with hardware and we ended up with none. Um, we were in a lot of different quarterfinals, semifinals and finals last year. And it, it's just to walk away with nothing. It, it, you just look back at the season and you think, wow, it was a great run, but we had nothing to show for it. Yeah, I think that was the overarching message from the neutral standpoint was really good until the last game that mattered, um, which, you know, is, I think, a bit harsh in terms of things. But when you are one of the best of the best and you're, that is your goal is not just getting there or being close, but winning it all. Um, that feeling of disappointment is definitely a, a realistic one, which uh, is a credit to the the way that the club's been built too, right? Like, it, you know, there are clubs out there that, and I'll use mine for example, that for the last seven, eight years, right, Red Bull went from being, you know, Supporter Shield top three always was an expectation to, hey, we've made the playoffs 14 years in a row. And that is something that the fans didn't really love, but it seemed like it was a, the the message get, kept getting pushed out. Um, so really interesting that that was the the mindset that you just brought up. So I, I really like it. And I, I hope that other clubs, including my own at Red Bull, will pick that up. So, um, you know, there has been a ton of movement in LA, uh, specifically LAFC for the last couple of months. Players in, players out, big names, people that you're going to recognize who do you think is the best addition they've made so far? Uh, you know what? I, I do think that right now the the biggest addition that you know will be able to make an immediate is going to be goalkeeper Hugo Loris. Uh, I think that the that player in and of itself, coming from Tottenham for all the years that he played there, he played for France, won a World Cup with France, right? Like it, There's a lot of pedigree, and I think he brings a lot of that higher quality of uh of caliber player to the MLS and and bringing it into LAFC. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely. I remember I was walking uh behind me as my puppy there. I was walking Grace one day uh and we were halfway through the walk and I'm I'm with my pops and it's like it's right about Christmas break and I look down and I get the notification LAFC's going to sign Hugo Lloris and I, I stopped there. I was like, "Oh my goodness. That's insane." And he's definitely going to make a huge a huge impact. I agree. Uh, if he's anywhere close to what Roman Berkey was last year in, in the mindset of kind of older European goalkeepers, you guys have knocked this one out of the park. Um, for me, I'm really interested on new signing uh, youth player David Martinez, the uh, Venezuelan. I mean, I watched his highlight tape and goodness me, dude looks like he's going to set the world on fire in year one. Uh, and I'm, I, I don't have a list of them, but I'm sure a ton of European and South American clubs were monitoring him. Uh, so for LAFC to beat them out uh, is 
insanely awesome for the league, for the club, and, and to kind of elevate our status there. So really excited to watch him play. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to to David Martinez. Uh, you know, LAFC uh from its inception has had scouts in uh in on the ground in South America. Um, and so they've really started over these years to really uh create a relationship. That's why you'll see a lot of players from Colombia, you'll see players from Uruguay, uh Venezuela, and and the foundation of that relationship is is where we continue to draw in these players that may not be the most well known on the global stage. Um, and yeah, with a the young man David Martinez, 18 years old, you know, he uh has played for Monagas uh previously. That's where we acquired him from. And, you know, his highlight reel recently has just been off the charts. And there you saw him uh playing on some international stages too and just and and making a name for himself. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the thing that usually goes under the radar with LAFC is you're always looking at the big name signings, right? The the Carlos Velas, the the Hugo Lloris's, the Chiellini's, the Gareth Bales. But you're usually not focused on that youth movement that comes up, whether it be from their academy, the, the team that went to the U.S. Open Cup and knocked out a USL championship team, or the players like uh, David Martinez who's going to come in and and step up and do something that last or in a couple of years ago was, was Dave, uh, Gareth Bell spot. So, you know, what is overlooked a lot are those, those sort of players. So um, it's, it's a credit to the club as well. Uh, that being said, lots of players moving away from the club as well. Big names, a couple of them making their way back, but right now there are still people who are unsigned and or have currently left uh, completely. Who do you think is the biggest loss that you're going to feel this year? You know, I I, I would have said that uh, the biggest loss that we would have felt would have been Max Cripo, um and John McCarthy, right? Our our two goalkeepers that we had in, uh, you know, John McCarthy came in and performed admirably in uh, in the time that Max Cripo was was recovering from his injury in the MLS Cup from two MLS Cups prior, um, but. You know, Max was definitely a leader in the locker room. Uh, he was always our number one. The intention was always that once he was fully fit, he would come back and be our number one. So we had an idea that John would eventually leave. Um, uh, so we knew that we were going to lose John uh, more than likely, but to lose Max in the same breath. But now with Hugo coming in, I don't feel like that void is as big as it was. So I feel like the player that actually is going to be the most missed because of the void is going to be uh, Chiqui Palacios. Uh, Palacios went on and made the move to Brazil um, and, you know, good for him. You know, he was definitely looking to to get paid more. And, um, you know, in talking once the transfer was, or once he was, he was out of contract. So once the, he was signed um, and you saw what he was getting paid, there's no way an MLS team is going to be able to pay uh, a left back, you know, two, $3 million a year. That's just not how this league is built. So um, Chiqui Palacios by far, I think is going to be one of the most impactful players that we're going to miss because uh, that left back position is still uh, it's, it's, it hasn't been filled with someone new. It's, it's somebody that was depth at this point. Yeah. Um, to- definitely agree. He's, I have a couple names on my list here and Palacios is one of them. Uh, Crepo is another, just because Hugo Lloris is not, 
I mean, you know what his quality is, but uh, you don't know what he'll do here. Um, about four days ago, it was Kellen Acosta until uh, Edward Atuesta was brought back, who is another person we didn't really mention in the additions side, at least as one of the best additions, but uh, a great get by them. Uh, definitely replaces the Acosta uh, hole in that group. Uh, so I had Vela if he doesn't come back. I think he's he's always been uh, consistent, but I know the 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 rumors are that they're working on getting that done. So I will agree with you here and say Palacios at the moment is going to be uh, your biggest miss. And I think it also hurts that you couldn't. I mean, you had to let him go on. You know, like you mentioned, not getting a uh, a fee for him. You know, letting him go on a free is is, is a tough loss. Right. And, you know, I, I do think also a close second is going to be Giorgio Chiellini. I think that, you know, having Chiellini as a center back and a leader, um, you know, lots, there's a lot of leadership that had left the locker room this season. Uh, Max Grippo, Giorgio Chiellini, potentially Carlos Velo, uh, Kellen Acosta. Those, those were all kind of focal points for a lot of our, uh, uh, a lot of our season. Um, so, you know, having having all of those players tech leave, it, it's definitely going to be opportunities, though, for some of our younger players to step up. Uh, you know, we did acquire Omar, Omar Campos, uh, the Mexican Mexican national team player, uh, and, and he's going to hopefully solidify that center back position for us. Um, but still, it's not Giorgio Chiellini, you know, and, um, you know, I definitely think that that, you know, he he's definitely earned it, you know, his time with uh, Juve and the Italian national team. Uh, and now with us at LAFC, so it's, it was just a matter of time. We knew that that was going to eventually come to an end too, but it's still, it's a big hole. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, in MLS and in the world, there aren't there aren't many people who can say they are like Chiellini. He was one of a kind, and, um, you know, I, I definitely agree that'll be a, a huge miss as well. I mean, um, you don't replace that. That's not something that you go out and you're like, oh, I'm just going to pick this guy up and drop him in there. That's something you you, you just can't replace that experience and that leadership. Uh, but you mentioned young players stepping up and, and moving into the next uh, phase of their career. Who do you think that player is that's going to break out or, or be a player to watch? Uh, so, I mean, he's been kind of highlighted throughout the last couple of seasons, uh, Eric Duenas is a younger player, academy homegrown, one of our own. He and Nathan Ordaz, I definitely think, are going to be having a larger role in this current iteration of the lineup. Um, of course, if if other if other forwards in regards to Ordaz or if a uh, midfield slash wing uh, wing back comes in, that could affect Eric Duenas's minutes. But if 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 this current roster were to start today, I definitely think that Nathan Ordaz and Eric Duenas would be able to have an opportunity. Those are just here on the homegrown front. Um, but if we're talking about young players with opportunities, I think Tomas Angel, uh, he is a young player that is from Colombia. And actually, he is a son of one of our scouts, you know, and uh, that that was just another one of those um, diamond in the rough type of thing where you find a young player that's been killing it uh uh in the in the leagues that he's been playing in we acquired him from uh Atletico Nacional and um you know I think that he's going to definitely be another young player that that makes a spot in the MLS alongside of course uh David Martinez who we already spoke about I like I like how you reference that he he's the the son of one of your scouts like the one of your scouts isn't one of the most prolific strikers the league has ever seen in Juan Pablo Angel um, right who has shared both of our clubs apparently. So um, 
I only found out he was over at LAFC with this news. But uh, of course, for those maybe newer uh, supporters who don't know Juan Pablo Angel, uh, an absolutely prolific striker for the New York Red Bulls. And I uh, believe he was at Galaxy for a year as well. And maybe, yeah. maybe yes. Chivas. He was, yeah. So was, he was at the Galaxy in 2011. And then he was at Chivas uh, from yeah. 2011 to 2012. And then he ended up finishing his uh, his career at uh, Atletico Nacional. Yeah. See, oh, man, I'm proud of myself for remembering those two clubs at the end. You know, you, you always go. know him as Red Bull, but look at me flexing the ball knowledge a little bit. There it is. Um, you know, so very interested to see what he can do as well, right? Just just with that pedigree of where he comes from and who he's learned under. Um, the other player that I have is not necessarily somebody who uh, we we don't we won't know. Um, but somebody that I think definitely could make a big step forward. Um, and that is Mateus Bogush, uh, who, again, the spotlight is not going to be spread between so many players. And he's the understudy who's kind of contributing to the Vela show or the Buwanga show, right? It's not spread all across these, you know, four, five, six big names. He might have a lot more focus on him this year. Um, you know, he became a much more consistent starter towards the back end of the campaign last year. Um, but with only three goals and four assists as, you know, an attacking midfielder wide player in this league is relatively low comparative to other players. So I would love to see him get a bump uh, in those numbers, maybe double those, right? Go six and eight or eight and six or however you end up using him. Break into the 22, 2300 minute range and see what he can do as a as a true starting player in this league, because in moments he was very good, uh, but I think he was, you know, maybe overshadowed at times, you know, the Benny Buanga show was uh, always on show. Uh, so maybe with Vela gone, he can take up some of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Mateusz Bogus has uh, found a, a very comfortable stride. And I think that we saw that at, at times, um, but with our midfield being what it was, Jose Cifuentes, who was on our roster at some point last season, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, Bogush, um, you know, and Timothy Tillman, you know, those are five players that I think at any point, uh, any MLS roster would say, hey, that could be a starter on my team. And of course, we only have three of them at one time. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, it definitely was a bit of a challenge to find the minutes. I do think that um, Mateusz Bogush is, is going to have a solidified starting role in the, in our starting 11, where it and how it's going to work out. You know, um, Ilya Sanchez had come in and replaced Atuesta in that six, um, that six, that six position on our, in our formation. Uh, and they both kind of play that similar position. I would like to think that we're going to find a way to have Atuesta and Ilya on the field at the same time. But now then again, that leaves you with Tillman and Bogush to facilitate that, uh, that eight uh, on, on, on the pitch and, and they both can't do it at the same time. So, um, you know, and both, both are quality. Timothy Tillman, uh, brother of Malik Tillman, both, both U S men's national team representatives. Now, um, you know, the, you don't want to necessarily sacrifice one for the other. So it'll be an interesting, interesting, uh, juggling act. Yeah, Sharonlo's definitely got a, a a good problem to have on his hands, right? You never want, you never, the big, the bad problem is not having enough good players. The good problem is having too many to put on the field at once. So uh, definitely interested to see how he handles that. Uh, but what I want to ask you is kind of what's that overarching question that you're still wondering how that's going to be answered? 
You know, I I do think that if Carlos Vela comes back, he is not going to come back as a designated player. I think that there's enough people that have agreed that while Carlos is still a contributor to this to this club and to this team, he is not contributing in the way that a designated player should be. You know, and especially if it's a one-year deal, there could be a way for you to work it down with some TAM or GAM um, or, or potentially have uh, 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 delayed compensation later down the line, which would ultimately open up another designated player. So now that leaves us with only one designated player. So I think the overall hanging question is going to be, are we going to have three designated players this year? Uh, LAFC... Um, is one of those teams where we don't typically have three designated players and bringing a designated player in, in the mid uh, in the mid season summer transfer window, those designated players don't typically show what they really can do because they're looking to try and get comfortable and find their role within the club and within the team chemistry and dynamic. Um, so it, it, I think that is kind of the question is like, even though we've had all of these signings that have been uh, optimistic, it's like, Hey, are we going to be getting anyone that's actually going to be super impactful? Yeah, it, it's totally fair. And, and it, it kind of echoes one of my questions. I usually bring two just in case, um, you know, where, you know, where is this roster build going was one of my questions, right? at the time of my prep, and, and I think it's changed, it's probably added one or two at this point. There were 19 players on the roster at the time of my prep, and it was, I think it was two days ago. Um, you know, that's barely enough to name a full bench on a game day. Of those 19, nine were U23 players, and that includes basically the entire attacking lineup. Um, so there are there are tons of holes uh, in the roster. Where is that going to go? Um, but the other one, and you actually hinted on it as well earlier in the in the show, was – where's the leadership coming from in this group, right? We just mentioned what the the roster build is and, and the youth that comes with it. But outside of just age are the experience and, and the players who have been there a while. So you're talking Chiellini, you're talking Vela, you're talking Acosta, Crepo, players who definitely had some good voice in the locker room that people would have followed and listened to, all of them pretty much out the door. So who then steps up and takes that role? Are we looking at Ryan Hollingshead to be the vocal leader in that group, which I think would be a great pick, by the way. Are we looking at um, Hugo Lloris, a new guy with a bunch of uh, European experience to come in? Maybe Aaron Long, somebody who's who's seen uh, both coasts, you know, East and West Conference, as well as the men's national team, a World Cup. I mean, you've got people there, but who's going to be the one to step up? And that's kind of my over big question of of because you can say it in the locker room and you can say all the right things but once you get on the field or once the the adversity hits are you going to follow up what you say and that's kind of going to be something i keep an eye on yeah i i definitely think that you know uh if if carlos doesn't get resigned right let's just say carlos doesn't get resigned Ilya sanchez was the second captain for all intensive purposes last year, we still have Ilya Sanchez. Uh, so I definitely think that he's going to get leaned on as a leader for this club. Uh, when Eduardo Atuesta was on the club, his first stint, he was that second captain. Uh, so having him back, I think that there's enough players that were here when he was here the first time to where he's still going to be able to facilitate that role. He has a very good 
history with uh, Jesus Davenbrio and Eddie Segura, who is still on the roster. And we haven't seen Eddie Segura play all of last year and part of 2022. And that's because he was recovering from a knee injury. You know, and Eddie Segura and Eduardo Tuesta had a very good working relationship on the pitch. Uh, so, you know, Eddie Segura is another one where he's been in this locker room since 2019. Um, and I think sometimes people forget that Eddie Segura has been with the club for as long as he has. Um, and he'll be someone that that I think the club will be able to lean on. Um, and like you mentioned, Ryan Hollingshead, um, Ryan has definitely found a, a role within this club. Um, you know, he took one of our penalty kicks when it went down to penalty kicks in the MLS Cup. Uh, he is a versatile defender he can play on as your left back or your right back and i do think that especially with uh cheeky palacios being gone i do think that ryan's hollingshead will be our starting left back uh moving forward um and uh uh and uh, ryan has definitely been a person that that the club has looked to for leadership um so you know just amongst all of those players and of course uh hugo loris and, and uh, you know, I do think that he is going to have a bit of um, respect and leadership that just comes with who he is. Yeah, it, it'll be definitely interesting. And, you know, if they go out and they win the first five games, let's say on, you know, hypothetically, you're not going to need to really see who's going to step up and lead them to that. But when you get into that rough spot and you start facing a little bit of adversity, that's when you're going to need to see somebody step up. And I'm really interested to see who does that. Um, so as we wrap this thing up here, we're on decision day. The final whistle blows. Where is LAFC finishing in the table right now with the the way the roster is built and, and the way that the team is looking to play? You know what? The way the current roster is, if it were to stay like this, LAFC would have a really hard time this season just simply by the number of games. You know, uh, there is going to be the League's Cup matches this summer. There's going to be the U.S. Open Cup, even though the MLS was trying to put put the uh, the second teams in. Um, they're going to have their regular season game. They're going to have potential playoff games, depending on where they finish. Um, you know, so so there's a lot of games that that LAFC is going to have to participate in. And that was also part of the struggle last season. I think LAFC had to play. Uh, I think that the final count came down to like. 61 matches last year was what LAFC had to play through all competitions. Right. And of course they went to the finals for the CCL. And then there was, you know, every, every other competition that everyone else also had to play in. There was also the Campeones cup, the standalone. Um, and then they went to the MLS cup again, you know, so they won't have to play that many, as many games as last year, but because of the number of games, if this roster that only has, you know, 22 players on it, that's just not enough. So I do think that the club is going to sign more people before February 25th. Um, and just anticipating that there will be a few more signings, whether they're big splashes or just, just uh, bench bench uh, and, and substitute players. I'm, I'm confident that LAFC is going to finish in the top four. Uh, they're going to have a home. They're going to have a home field mat, a uh, uh, top four in the West top four mm -hmm. in the West yeah. West. And that they they will have they will have a, a home field advantage for at least one game in the uh, playoffs. Um, you know, as a as a fan, you want to see them be able to be fighting for the supporter shield, fighting for those CCL spots. Um, but 
you know, you can't be consistent like that. This is a, a league of parity. And uh, unfortunately, it takes a lot for you to be able to compete at that level. Um, but I do think that the club and John Thorrington are going to do everything that it, they can to be able to conti- continue to have us being a very competitive team in the West. I love the optimism um, because that's I haven't felt optimism in five years. So that's cool to see. Um so, so my worry with the roster is that at this very moment, you've got two proven attackers, and they're both wide players. You've got a couple of unproven yet promising strikers, a midfield that has gotten better since my last you know preparation of this, but still is a little thin for my liking. Um, I think defending – Defensive wise, I think you're okay. I think the the three of Palencia, Hollingshead, and Campos can cover both spots very, very well. Um, goalkeeper is going to be fine. Um, my my problem is the unprovenness of this and how uh, Sharundalo gets the most out of them. So at this very moment, and again, I do believe I agree with you. I think people are coming in. I think that they are going to sign more players before. Um, the roster freeze and they're going to be okay. But if I have to make a prediction on this roster right now, I think there is a non-zero chance that this roster misses out on the playoffs. Like you mentioned. Oh, I mean, right. I, I, I agree with that. If this roster were to be the roster, I don't even see them being able to have a full, a full 18 bench every game. Mm -hmm. If they weren't to add another player, like that's this roster is so thin you know, and you would have to pull players from like LAFC two and things like that. And I just don't see that happening. I think this is a two thirds full roster as it sits. Yeah. And, and right now the only rumors are, are Vela coming back and, and Divac Origi who would change the game, by the way. Um, well, Divac Origi apparently has uh, Nottingham Forest has decided not to move on from him because they ooh. had just picked up an injury. Um, I can't remember the name of the player on Nottingham Forest that, got injured, but it is a forward that got injured. And so they have opted to keep Divac Origi based on the rumors because of uh, depth. Oh, okay. Well, that throws a spanner in the works. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough for them regardless of who they bring in. I'm sure they've got a, a laundry list of people that they've been looking for. Um, you know, if I'm going, hello, Grace, down you go. <laughs> um if I'm looking at this right now and being positive that the people they bring in are going to make, you know, big, big impacts, I'm thinking somewhere between, uh, you know, and I'm going to make it a big range because of the uncertainty of who's going to bring in anywhere between six and 11, right? If they bring in these, a couple of players who can fill the roles that they need to fill, I think they can jump up into the, the, the high end of the um, non- top four, if you will. Uh, but if they, if they go out and try and sign people and they miss on a couple, even if they do sign them, if they sign them, they're not impacts like we expect them to be. Um, I, I can see it being detrimental to the point where they might not make the playoffs at all, which, um, you know, I think is going to be very, very tough. Like I have that as a very low percentage, but I don't see it as out of the possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's always a possibility, but I think that if you look at the other teams in the West, I don't feel like there's any team that has gotten significantly better either to where 
you know, if you were to have an LAFC having a one day match where it's their best 11 versus with the current roster versus any team in the MLS, I don't think that I, I think that LAFC, if those players could stay healthy and, and fatigue wasn't an issue, I think that the current 11 that we have as our best 11 would still be able to be competitive with any team. I definitely agree with that. That part I can I can go with you, but it is a 34-game season or a 36-game season. It is um, a lot of travel, a lot of wear and tear, plus the extra competitions. Um, and and I think the the way I see it is, you mentioned it, the West is not super strong, but it is super tight, meaning that one player being, you know, hitting expectations or one player underperforming on expectations could mean the difference between a couple of points and a couple of spots. Uh, so that's why I have that big range is because if you go in and you sign four more players and two of them are great and two of them don't perform at the level that you expect them to, that could be the difference between a top four to a bottom bottom four group or a, a bottom four to a play-in. Um, so that's kind of what I'm I'm erring on the side of caution for. That being said, I, I can't think of the last time they swung in really, really missed on uh, a couple of attack, uh, a couple of signings. You know, I, I know the the attacker that you just sent out, Mario Gonzalez, is probably the most recent example. But, um, you know, for the most part, when they bring players in, they're they're able to contribute in the system. So um, we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely it's going to be interesting. It is definitely like a nail biting season. If you if you keep a pulse mm-hmm. at all uh, as to, uh, you know, teams specifically during this offseason window, uh, the LAFC fans are clamoring for more. You know, they are uh, very much the naysayers, uh, which I mean, I think that that's fans as a whole uh, across any team. Right. Um, there, There's going to be people that are overly worried or overly anxious about non-moves or moves not being done uh, with enough efficiency for them. Um, but I, I, there are, there's a lot of LAFC fans that are having to try to re- remind themselves like, Hey, let, let John Thornton do what he's done. Trust the process. Um, all of those other mantras uh, let JT cook. That's another one that you'll see. Uh, those are all ones that, that you just kind of have to uh, believe in right now, because even though there we've doubted, there have been people that have doubted what John Thornton has done in the past. It's hard to uh, look at the results from 2018 to current and not be able to say, Hey, John Thornton knows what he's doing. You know, they've only had one year where they've missed the playoffs. Uh, and of those other years, they've made it to the Western conference finals several times over uh, and two MLS cups in six seasons. So it's, it's, it's an impressive record to boot. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to, to end it to our, our listeners here is JT has not given you a reason not to trust him yet. So patience, trust, and, and, and believe in what you guys have done so far, because, um, the, the proof's in the pudding, right? You guys have gotten it done before, regardless of when the signings came in, um, you know, don't don't burn the house down until you realize you know the problem is actually there right um so on that note christopher i want to thank you so much for coming on and and chatting lafc with us this was a ton of fun i really enjoyed it thank you so much 
Yeah, thank you very much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to uh, learn, learn, find out more about LAFC throughout the season, you can give us a follow at LAFCS2S, the number two, LAFCS2S. Uh, and uh, you can find us on all of your social media platforms or uh, wherever you get your podcast, uh, Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris, and you guys can reach out to us. You guys can talk shop or whatever you guys want to do. Uh, we're going to be starting a stream yard this year so that we're going to have interactive uh interactive throughout our, our episode so we'd love to have uh have you guys uh come and contribute awesome yeah definitely guys go give them a follow and let them know you came from us uh and if you're new from the lafc side you're just finding us for the first time and you enjoyed what we did give us a follow as well we've got all 29 teams being previewed this year by different guests for the team uh so we've got expert uh testimony if you will on the each and in each and every individual team so you can subscribe to see when the next ones come live or you can go watch some of the other ones that have already been posted uh and then during the regular season you're going to get your regular you know mls news general mls news and we're going to give our takes on that we go through an mls history series where we like to talk all about past um big moments in mls that have kind of created the league that we're in today uh so if you're into any of that stuff come follow us uh, and then we also do some, you know, casual games and, and trivia challenges and just things to keep things light and fun and test your knowledge. So uh, if you're into any of that stuff, come give us a follow as well. Christopher, again, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on and, and being a part of this. This is a ton of fun. I really appreciate your insight to everybody who's listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see everybody next time on the next episode of the Designated Players and MLS podcast. See ya.